You're now listening to the Alignment Queen Show with your host, Melaine Lee Butler. Melaine is an alignment master coach supporting leaders to truly transform their business and life through the modality of human design. In her show, you will meet international speakers and leaders that will support you in understanding the importance of alignment for success in all areas of your life. So get ready to be blown away as we dive into the show. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited about the conversation today. I'm here with one of my new friends, Megan Badger. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. We've been chatting for quite some time offline about all things human design and our own journeys with fertility and conception and motherhood and, 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 and I'm like, okay, we got, we have to hit record. (laughs) We got to get some of this goodness and flow into the conversation so that other people can hear. So you guys, Megan, her information and her bio, you can read in the show notes, but Megan is, uh, what she's doing is so super special. And I'm so grateful to have her here because you know, being a mother and have experiencing loss in my life of miscarriage and stillbirth, um, someone doing this kind of work just brings my heart so much joy. So what she does is help women on their fertility journey, really being able to relax and open up. And uh, do you want to elaborate on what you do, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your journey with me. Um, you know, it's, it's always a, a sensitive, delicate subject, even, you know, after you've gotten those rainbow babies and stuff, it never replaces those little souls that you had dreams of. Um, but I, you know, have learned through my own losses, um, you know, just how important it is to really have a safe body. And I used to think in, you know, the beginning of my business, how we need a safe physical body. You know, we need our thyroid to be functioning. We need to have balanced hormones. And I became an expert at helping women do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, for some women that that's enough, you know, and I, I had lots of success there. Um, and then I myself went through another loss. And at that point I had been nourishing myself for years and like my body was quote unquote, you know, where it needed to be physically, but there's this huge emotional piece that fertility doctors don't look at, you know, no one in the fertility Western medicine space is really acknowledging this part. Um, and it's just the, the emotional toll that women go through, through miscarriage, you know, uh, other pregnancy loss, Um, or even just like trying for a really, really long time. And that like burnout feeling you get after seeing a negative pregnancy result month after month after month and like having no answers. And I know here in the United States, like they won't even really investigate until you've been trying for over a year. Sometimes they even give you the whole, like, come back if you have three miscarriages bit, which is just so dark and wrong. Um, yeah. So, you know, through that and now going through my own loss again, I recognize the importance of also having an emotional safe body. So we have to have that physical safe body too, but that emotional piece is just as important, you know, mm-hmm. feeling, um, you know, not having, you know, subconscious limiting beliefs, not living in fight or flight, you know, feeling open and ready 
to, you know, become pregnant and know that you don't have to like worry the whole pregnancy and, and all of that. And of course, once you've been through loss, you might always have that little bit of worry, but I think it can be, you know, so detrimental to our emotional well-being when we're, when we're in that place and we don't get to work through that trauma and, you know, address those needs. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can relate to this. I think that after going through a loss, there's so much anxiety and there's so many emotions running rampant and having someone like you to help ground and center and bring us back to that homeostasis of like, oh, just because this happened to me doesn't mean that I'm not okay or that I'm a bad person or that I'm not, you know, one of my favorite sayings when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's my rainbow baby. And in that pregnancy after loss journey, I had this mantra wall. And one of my mantras, like my body is safe. I am safe. And I just like so deeply rooted into that. But if I had someone like you, I feel like it'd been a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like, there's so much uh, work that has to be done to just even become aware of what your beliefs are. And sometimes like it can even relate to like your subconscious beliefs that were created when you were a child, like especially ones that are like ones that might be like, I'm not enough. And then like, you can't get pregnant. So like now you're not enough to your husband or you're not, you know, like these, it just like reactivates those deeper wounds. So sometimes we have to, you know, peel back all of the layers and really become aware of what our thoughts are and how they're showing up in our life. Um, and, and that takes some work and, you know, some awareness work, and then obviously rewiring a lot of those beliefs in, in creating true safety within. Mm. So important because I mean, one in four pregnancies end in loss. And I feel like these conversations are still super taboo, are avoided, are wiped under the carpet. I mean, yes, I've been through a late term stillbirth, which is a a really horrific experience. And it doesn't negate loss in general. Someone was like comparing their grief to mine. And I said to her, grief is grief. And, you know, these experiences are valid. And I think that they get diminished by the medical institution. And I live in New Zealand, but I'm American. um, And it's the same here. You know, they don't investigate things until you've been trying for a year. They don't investigate things until you've had several um, miscarriages. And I feel like it's just... And even when they do investigate, it's all the physical, not the emotional, Mm -hmm. the energetic... So yeah, it's just so beautiful what the work that you're doing. It's so wanted and needed. And I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I'm curious. I feel like a lot of the kids being born these days, and I know from a human design perspective, I can tell you looking at their designs, they're these magical leaders. Um, like they, they know who they are. They're really rooted into who they are. And so I feel like energetically, they have this higher vibration. And so as mothers carrying them in our womb, it's like what's required of us is different than what was required of moms in like the eighties or the seventies or the sixties, because we're carrying these like high vibrational beings. What's your experience with that? Yeah. You know, I think, I think being a woman right now is tough, you know? And I think, you know, it, it also goes along with like 
we're not allowed to embrace our femininity really. And, you know, it came to a point where there is like a feminist movement and we were like, I was taught from a young age, like to do, don't be dramatic, suck it up. Like, don't cry. Like basically to not show my emotions and to try to be everything that a man is like, you can get the same job, you can get the same pay. And there's, of course, a time and a place for like all of that. But I think it led women to become more masculine and, you know, become more rigid, hard, aggressive. But then also society's like, yeah, be that. But then also be the mom who takes care of everything and gets the kids to soccer practice and clean the house. And so now we took on everything that we used to that kind of embodied our feminine energy and allowed us to be like soft and open and playful like women should be but then we also put on all this like be a girl boss hashtag hustle like and so it just like it it puts so much on us that like of course energetically and physically we're like how do we even keep up like it's too much how do we hold a baby (laughs) yeah a baby yeah Mm. it's so true Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just, um, you know, I think back, you know, there's like a whole journey that you're thought to go through where you go from like a matron to a mother and you go through the tunnel and you have birth and you come out the other side. But I feel like that used to happen. And now I feel like society is just like, oh, you become a mom, but like, you're still supposed to be everything you were before you became a mom. And I think it's a lot for women, you know, to try to be it all and have it all together, but not also like end up energetically and physically just like nutrient wise, like depleted. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And I mean, we have a society that is stuffing this into our face. Women that are celebrities getting pregnant and bouncing back into like size zero jeans. And even if you are a strong person, let's, let's say, you have in your design too, like you and I both have three, five, which is, there's a lot of resiliency and tenacity and strength in that, in that profile. And let's say you have a lot of that and you have a lot of definition, you have more buffers going on, you guys, and you're not taking it all in on a subconscious level. It's seeping in, like it's seeping in. You're at the grocery store every day and on the line and you see these things, or you hear it, you hear it in subconsciously in like movies or whatever. You're just kind of seeing it it takes a toll. It's like, oh, look, and we still, as far as we've come, there's still things that need to go further and glorifying multitasking. Look at her. She does it all. She has it all. She can be it all. And I feel like it, there's no room for us to just fucking be, or if we collapse and have a nervous breakdown, like, yeah, that's not okay. And so, mm, yeah. I feel like too, it used to like be enough for women to be mothers. Like that was being a mom is like the most important freaking job. We are raising little humans to who are going to run the world one day. And so like being a mom was like enough every, like people were stay at home moms, but like now it's like, if you listen to your instincts and be the mom that you feel like it's like, well, no, wait, you don't sleep train your baby. Wait, you're nursing and your baby's too. Wait, your baby slept in your bed. Wait, you're a stay at home mom. It's like all these things that used to just not like be completely normal are kind of like the weird thing now, but all of those things are just kind of instinctively being a mother, you know? 
I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm really pro everything that's not mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, my son who is now five, he like just recently left the bed because he made the choice. He made the decision. I want to be in my bed, not yours. And watching him over the five years, like really coming into his own, owning who he was, and then making a decision from a really intuitive, like deeply guided led space, gorgeous. And the comments that I would get, I I know, you know, because you probably get them too. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, what do you think you're doing? You're right. You know, he's going to come out to be this and he's going to come out to be that. And when he behaves certain ways, like, oh, he needs to be smacked or he needs to be disciplined or he needs time out or he needs this. And I would always just say like, well, thank you so much for sharing, but that's not the aligned decision for us, you know? And these are really deeply instilled, even if we are we've come far, there's still some deeply instilled conditioning in society around education and nourishment and parenting in general. I mean, my son is currently going to a Montessori school, but he had the option of doing staying at home with mom and doing homeschool or going to Montessori. And I actually gave him the choice. We showed him, we walked him around the school. I told him what it would look like at home, showed him both options and he got to choose And every day when he gets up, I'm like, are you choosing this today? And he's like, yeah, I love this school. I really love being here. And someone said to me, well, if every parent could do that, the world would be a different place. I'm like, well, that's the point. It starts with us, us Mm -hmm. making these choices that feel aligned. You know, this is the alignment queen show. It's like all about, yes, we talk about human design a lot, but it's really about listening to our own inner authority and making those aligned choices for our family and that takes a lot of fucking courage today. And and effort, you know, I mean, just imagine, you know, that independence that your son has came from you yeah. being his safe person for five years until he was ready to be like, I'm ready to sleep in my own bed. And children who, you know, have that support and are emotionally regulated by their parents because they're unable to regulate themselves until a certain age, like they become more independent because they know they always have you in their corner. So like, same thing for us, my son's three, he sleeps in our bed. He yeah. has his own room with like a little Montessori floor bed, but like, He'll yeah. nap in there, but he doesn't yeah. sleep in there. And I would never, you know, make him until he's ready. And I know one day he'll just be like, I'm going to sleep in my bed today, you know? Totally. And, and I'll and probably like, cry and be sad, but like. <laughs> totally. Well, like, you know, I went in the one day and my son had his hands behind his head as he was laying there. And I'm like, hey, can I lay with you? He's like, no, don't need you. And I'm like, oh. you know, like yeah. I'm over in the corner crying. Yeah. But it happens so often with so many things, you know, so many things that we don't think are going to change. And those old conditionings come up for me, at least, where, oh, will he be in his diaper forever? Or, oh, will he sleep here forever? Like, maybe they are right. But then as I just keep trusting my intuition and my inner authority, not listening to those outside voices, knowing that they're not coming from my highest, it always works out. And like, you know, the last thing I'll say, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say, I love this conversation, is that the educational system that we have today is actually the experiment because for centuries we did schooling at home. So this is the real experiment, not homeschooling. 
I actually didn't tell you, but I was a teacher for 10 years. And then I, you know, stopped being a teacher to do this fertility yeah. stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, very, you know, not aligned with what children need, you know, so. Well, I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? We're keeping secrets here. <laughs> we're keeping secrets, but we're sharing all of them on the show, on the air. Um, I went to school to be a teacher. So. I got my degree in history, historical studies, and then I was going to get my master's in secondary education with a specialization in um, in autism to work with special needs. And because the t- at the time that I was going to university was really all about inclusion and, and really yeah. maintaining children with special needs into the classroom. Because when I grew up, and probably around the same time as you, um, they were all separated out of the classroom. If children had special needs, they were in their own class and weren't included. And that was changing. So having that as a teacher was really important. So I started doing my student teaching and I was just, I loved the students. I loved the students. I was just so disturbed by the way things were run. And really it just, that passion that I had for teaching was put out, that fire was put out quite quickly just by the way you had to run things by administration and the things that got turned down and every like amazing idea I have to like support the kids was just shut down or there wasn't enough budget or there wasn't this. And I just said to myself, I was starting to show up disgruntled and angry. And I said, there's just, there's too many teachers that hate being here. I don't need to be another one. Yeah. There's something else for me. This isn't, this isn't my purpose work. So Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I did special ed for a while. I did reading during COVID. I taught virtual kindergarten. I had 28 kindergartners virtually. Like it was, it was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. Um, but again, like even just kindergarten in the regular school, like once I had Carter, I was like, I would never want my kid to first of all, like be talked to the way staff will speak to children like not like yelling but like sarcastic and I'm just like he's like they're five like they don't you know um and just like a lot of other things that I don't like support support I'm into like you know more play-based learning and developmentally appropriate and um but yeah so I think that you know once I struggled for so long and then once I was pregnant with Carter I started learning about just development and brain development Mm -hmm. and what babies like actually need. And then I just became like, so like solid in that, that like, anytime someone came at me, especially like our parents, a lot of times will be like, well, you grow up fine. I'm like, fine is like bottom of the totem pole. I don't want him to be fine. You know, I want him to be thriving and even like friends and stuff like about because I still nurse and we co-sleep and all that and I just feel very solid in my choice and it shows me that maybe they didn't feel solid in their choice so um but like not gonna not gonna shake me you know totally and the thing is that you and I have something in common which is that we're both an energy type that's similar you're a manifesting generator I'm a generator but more so we have a profile which is the three five profile and for those of you guys listening in What Megan is describing, I like to say, is the magic of the five line, which we're going to get a lot with as three fives. We get a lot of projections of other people (laughs) and they make these projections or these assumptions or these judgments about us 
when they don't really have the full context. And a lot of times it's from their own insecurities or their own things that they're going through in their life. But we as a three, five get more of them than other designs, let's say. And it can be really disarming, especially, and I'm curious to hear what your experience of it is, because as a three, our trial and error learning through our mistakes is how we alchemize our wisdom. So we're going to mess it up. And because we have that leadership quality, we easily like mess it up, clean it up, fix it up, go. But a lot of times people like hold us to those mistakes. Remember that time you made that mistake? Remember that time that that was wrong? What if you're wrong about this? And you're like, yeah, but I made up for that. Like I, I fixed that. Why are you still holding me to that? And they're like, nope, because you're wrong. Because I don't like you. You're like, why do you not like me? I've done nothing to you. Have you experienced this? Um, yeah, you know, I... I feel like I wasn't confident in being able to bounce back when I made, you know, crappy choices or wrong choices when I was younger, or if something, even if it wasn't a wrong choice, like I was married in my twenties and I was with that person for a very long time. And I just realized that like, I just like woke up one day and was like, this isn't right. You know? And luckily we like, didn't have kids or anything. So, you know, it, it wasn't too complicated, but like, I just like knew one day I was like, this isn't, this isn't right. And so like now, and then I like met, then I, you know, the next person that I was with is my husband now. And like, I just knew, you know, but I like had to like go through that and like lose everything. Like I lost my house, you know, by the end of the divorce and after selling our house, like I had nothing, you know, and I started all over again. And now like, you know, but and like I've had to like learn your parents that. Probably would have said, "Why did you do this? You had everything going. You were yeah. in a momentum." Or like society is like, "Why would you do that? That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense." But you're listening to your inner authority, and that mistake gave you wisdom and intel and insight to really understand who would be your person and what kind of life you do want. You had to go yeah. through that. Yeah, and like being with my husband and then like we had our loss together and like if I didn't have my loss like it was I would never go back and be like oh I needed this but like I've done like a hypnosis where I had to like connect with my babies and like say in order to like release the energy and like one of the things was like what did you learn about yourself like through that first loss and I was just like that I wasn't ready you know I think physically and also like that I was, I need to do something greater, you know? Mm -hmm. And that like, was kind of when I was like, I'm going to help other women not go through what I went through. And it was like, it's a horrible loss to have to get to that point, but it's like what I've, you know, what I've seen as like the light at the end of the tunnel that makes it feel like, well, I'm helping other people have their babies and not go through what I went through, you know? Completely. I think a lot of three fives that are listening in will resonate with this, that we go through a lot of experiences for sure. We're the great life experimenter. I like to call us the rising Phoenix authority because we go through, we get burnt, we come back better than before. We go through, we come back and we go through like four dark nights of the soul in a day. You know, some people go through that in their lifetime. We go through these experiences in like a day, a week, and I'm laughing. We're very sarcastic too. We can be very funny because- we're not laughing, we're probably crying, especially if we're non-emotional. But you can probably relate to the fact like Megan, her experiences, my own experiences as well, they alchemize into our wisdom 
And we usually choose a career in a service that supports people in either understanding themselves or navigating through one of the experiences that we've been through because we, we've been through it. And I have also found, I'm curious on your insight with this, that I resonate the most with teachers, mentors that have like lived, learned experience and then share what they know as opposed to just being the expert in the field. Yeah. I think, you know, I think a good rule of thumb I always try to follow is like, I try to find people that have what I have, but like had to go through a journey to get there. You know, like, I don't want someone that's like, you know, just got somewhere and it was like luck or there was like something behind the scenes working. Like I want someone who like went through the grit and like has been where I am and has come out on the other side. Like that's someone that I would trust, you know, way more. Completely. Completely. That's yeah. And this is how I have overcome so many things is through whether it be like eating or addiction or like name it, I've been through it, is always from someone that has been through it. That's like, I always say, if someone has what I want, but it's further down the path, like they're further down the path, have what I want. I knock on their door and ask them to support me. And if they ask me to pay them, I do. <laughs> I pay them. <laughs> so good. Mm. Yeah. I always think like there's a lot of like people out there who support fertility and, and many of them I, I follow and they're very knowledgeable, but like they haven't like lived it because they're not, they haven't gone through infertility themselves. They haven't had lost themselves. So I just feel like at the end of the day, there's always going to be a missing piece because when you can actually relate to someone and you're like, I know exactly what you're feeling. I've been there. It's just like a different experience. Like when I'm coaching women and they're crying on the very first time we ever talk on the phone, I'm like, it's okay. I have space for you. You do what you need to do right now because I have been there. I've cried on the phone to somebody about talking about like my, you know, um, or I cried in my car by myself because I didn't have someone to talk about my fertility. So if I can be that space for someone, like, you know, that's, I think it's more powerful. Completely. It's it's what makes us relatable too, because we've been through experiences. So people can relate to that a little unrelatable because we bounce back quite strong, but this is, this is why you're going to be amazing at what you do and continue to be amazing at what you do because you're so relatable and you have that strength and resilience to support other people. It's so good. Where can people find you, Megan? I am on Instagram at Mama Eats. Um, there's two S's, so it's M-A-M-A-E-A-T-S-S. Um, and then I also have a website. It's MamaEats.com. Again, two S's. Amazing. And all of that, you guys, will be in the show notes. Megan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You guys, thanks for listening in. And until next time, have an amazing rest of your day.